Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon, And I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's good to be with you all united as fellow outcasts in this great mission of building up the body of Christ on earth. That's right. Coming to you from today, the library of Helen, Bishop Helan High School in Sioux City. Yeah, we record in different places. It's kind of fun. because the Because our equipment's so portable mm-hmm. with this, I mean, really kind of flashy, really nice, um, slick uh, suitcase uh, roller thing that we have here. Um, <laughs> get the mics. Get the mics checked out here. Is that good? That's that good. good? You're go. good now. Okay, good. Check one. Check two. Father Shane is sending me these like these like very very interesting hand signals to try to tell me how to. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not telling you to steal second. Or just direct <laughs> an airplane when they're coming in with the big things. Uh, yeah, it's fun because it's portable. Um, we've we've recorded in basements of churches. We've recorded now in, we haven't recorded my school yet. We haven't. But in my We could marriage, start recording in restaurants, bars. I think we should. That might be a little The Wells Blue Bunny ice cream, ice cream parlor. parlor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That'd be kind of, a little chatter in the background would be kind of fun. Yeah. It might be a little annoying for our listeners. So we we chose the library, you know, after hours at school so that it's quiet. Which is so nice. quiet. Extremely. So extremely peaceful. quiet. So yeah. peaceful. That's right. What has been new with you, Father Shane? It is prom season, Father. It is. My prom was a little earlier than yours. Yes, um, you were you were promenading. Promenading. As a, Can you guess how many proms I attended in high school? Um, two. I, in fact, went to four years of prom. Really? So That's kind of unusual. Small little school. Um, I'm that awesome. Uh-huh. My small uh, public high school, it didn't forbid... Um, freshmen and sophomores from attending if they were asked to go. Ooh. So, and of course you were asked well, by older women. Older women. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, the first year wasn't as awkward. It was just a, a friend who was taking me home from play practice, lived in the same town, and she just didn't have a date. Hey, you want to go to prom? Sure. The next year was extremely awkward. I found myself cornered by my, a, a girl at a speech contest from my school who was kind of like trying to beat around the bush, saying like, man, just so hard to find a guy to take to prom, you know? I'm like, yep. Sure, it's pretty hard. She was a junior at the time, and she's like, yeah, I mean, who do you even, where do you even find a guy? How do you, and it was at this point, the other guy who was standing with us had left and gone to the bathroom, so it was just the two of us in this hallway at a speech contest, and eventually she got around and said, will you, will you go to prom with me? And I, I caved, and I went, and it was, and it was the best night of your life. Extremely awkward. The only picture I, I think I had for a while was of me and my buddy rather than me and my prom date, just because it was. Ako taco, as they say. But well, it was good that you supported her, and she got to good. go, and but you these, have a good these time. These memories are fresh now with the prom season upon us. They are. The prom season is upon us as we're recording this. Uh, just recently had a mass at 1130 at night. Which, and this is interesting, because I think after we recorded a few podcasts about a month or so ago, we were at dinner, and you were hashing out these plans. Right. One of the ideas was to possibly have the prom meeting at Tell me again what time? 4.15 a.m. after the after-prom party. I'm glad that you did not do that. Yeah, the student council here at the high school voted that down. They just were honest, like, we're not staying. We're going yeah. home and crashing after yeah. we, you know, I don't know, you play games all night. You might have asleep at, at the altar. 
Well, now I would have gone to bed early. That's I would have been fresh after jazz. about you know five or six hours of sleep. Right. I would have gotten up early, fine. But you said your students at this eleven thirty, they were like they were just like more jacked than ever because they, they were just danced. I'm convinced anyone out there in campus ministry have a dance before you go to mass. They're going to be all wired up. They're going to be jacked up, and then they just respond like it's the best time of their life. Sounds good. Yeah, pre mass dance. That probably didn't come in the Roman ritual history of the liturgical development of no. our tradition, but if anyone needs to, you know, jazz up, you know, no, no, the energy a good, level. A good, a good distinction here. We're not talking about no dancing within the mass. Yeah, this isn't jazzercise. Yeah, we're not doing liturgical dancing as part of the uh, the <laughs> entrance ritual or right. the entrance antiphon. We're talking about just getting people energized, <laughs> you know, to go worship Jesus. So it is tough. Yeah, it is tough. Some of the kids are telling me like. They need something to get them jacked sometimes because mass can be kind of boring. But it's true, yeah. If have a dance. Have a dance. Okay. I found that out. Good, good, okay. Yeah. So add that to the list of youth ministry tips. That there you, you go. Have a it. dance and then go into mass. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, ours is, I, our, uh, thankfully, our, ours, I think you've helped out with it at my uh, the high school. I have come up, well. yeah. They do it on Saturday evening before mass. Mm-hmm. Um, this year was nice because we had it in the church. But the best part about that mass was that we're using holy water, at the sprinkling rite at the beginning of Masses during the Easter season on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's one of the options instead of the penitential rite. And it's really fun to just slam your high school students in the face with the holy water um, when you're walking past them. So that's pretty nice. You know, that is one thing they don't train you in seminary for. They really don't. You just, it do just you, happens. Right? How do you hold a straight face the first time you do the sprinkling rite? Yeah, I kind of like the smile. Do you hold the, you keep trying to hold a straight face? Well, yeah, you're praying. I kind of, but it's kind of a joyful experience a of joyful remembering experience. your baptism. Well, I have learned you cannot, you can't, when you're doing the sprinkling right, you can't just kind of go at shoulder level because then you're doing direct water beads right into the eyes. It's got to kind of like come over the top. You got to come over the top. You got to go high, get everybody kind of sitting in the middle of the pews. Right. Well, and I, I found it's a little awkward where it's like I'll inevitably hit a couple people more than once with the holy water. They don't know what to do. Do they make three sign of the crosses if they get three <laughs> drops on their head? Then there's the straggler who doesn't get the sprinkle, and they feel, like, left out. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Like, I just want people to know you're still receiving. It's like a symbol. It's not like you mi- you're you missing it. I mean, it's we're trying to get you, but it's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be all right. I'm, I'm impressed with. Well, you got to, did you use it when you came and covered one of my masses? Did you get to use our, uh, the fancy word is aspergillium, the sprinkler? I did, They're just at St. James. Yeah, yeah. They have an impressively um, large volume of water that they hold in the end of the sprinkler that has some serious sprinkling distance on it. Well, as a new priest, I don't know if you've ever experienced using like uh, like a real branch. I've done that before, but I've noticed, uh, not yet as a priest, I've seen priests do it, and I've done it blessing somebody's house when I didn't have anything. I just broke a branch off outside. Mm-hmm. They they have a tendency to break while you're doing that. Oh, you must be pretty strong and forceful oh, in your blessings. Okay. Do you think those have a pretty good um Well, depending on what type of branch you're uh, using, I mean, you can get like a monsoon going, it like might be helpful rain shower. <laughs> for some somebody, maybe a thesis would be helpful to write on like the kind of best practices for um, for sprinkling. Yeah. Water. Yeah, you do that. I just want to tell our listeners who are Catholic and attend Mass regularly that, like, so the monastery I went to college seminary at, the abbot would bless his monks every night with holy water. Mm-hmm. And they knew how to do it. You just bend, you just slightly bow so it hits the top of your head rather than your face. Right. Sometimes I think because we do it so infrequently, Catholics, they just kind of stand there and they, they try not to flinch. It's like when you get the, uh, 
Oh, what's the thing at the eye doctor that tests for glycoma? Oh, sure, the little the the puff eye. of air. And yeah, like, like, there it is. And you're telling yourself, you're like, you got this. Brace you're it. not going to Brace, you're not gonna brace. Gonna... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hit your head on the thing. That's how the folks are at mass. It's like they're staring forward. Like they, like they don't think it's coming. Right. And then they get hit in the face. And they, right. Direct contact into the left pupil. Yeah. <laughs> so if you just bow your head slightly, you won't get it on your glasses. It'll just get on your head, and it's, and yeah. it's fine. And you'll remember your baptism. That's right. Besides uh, <laughs> holy water sprinkling and prom, yes, we got anything else we're talking about today? Well, you know, one of the things that has caught my eye is recently here, um, as we're recording this in early May, there was some uh, vandalism at a church recently in Brazil. Some uh, young adults, teenagers, broke into a um, a Catholic church outside, kind of the metropolitan area of São Paulo in Brazil, and they vandal- vandalized a lot of statues. Mm. And this is a common, common theme. I don't know if people have been, uh, among our listeners, if they've been noticing this, but you know, throughout um, California, a number of churches in recent years have been vandalized. Uh, and this is an enormous problem across Europe. Mm-hmm. If you go back 2019, 2018, 2017, the amount of vandalism of churches and cemeteries uh, or any sort of uh, sacred site across Europe, especially in Ireland, Spain, France, Germany, and Italy, just exponentially growing. Huh. Uh, like, and, and not just kind of like, you know, some, you know, threw some trash on the steps. Right. I mean, some of these are like outright arson, burning churches down. Smashing statues. Smashing statues. In Texas not that long ago, I think. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. It did. Like a, an old statue is... Yeah, destroying statues seems to be a very common one in recent years. Um, desecrating altars yeah. with, with urination uh-huh. or defecation. Uh, the stealing and uh, desecration of consecrated hosts yeah. from a tabernacle. Right. Um, you know, spray painting sacred images with you know, spray paint yeah. or covering doors. Um, a number of problems in recent years with the swastikas being spray painted mm. on uh, tombstones in cemeteries, mm. especially Jewish cemeteries, huh. d- uh, deeply um, offensive. There's also, you know, some movements among some feminist groups that are, are particularly violent or, or really, you know, filled with anger and hatred, almost verging on anarchy. You know, there's been some very politically motivated attacks as well. On cathedrals and bishops and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, like during mass. During mass. Um, there's been attacks on nativity scenes. Mm. I mean, you would think that, you know, a little sweet nativity scene that draws families n- nearby to kind of have this cute little picturesque moment of prayer would be, you know, fairly, um, you know. Benign. Benign or, or sacred ground. Uh, but no. Um, so how, how do we interpret this? Because uh, if you if you look at, across Europe, this is a major problem right now. And for those for those of us, especially our listeners and you, you and I here in the Midwest of the United States, this might not be a real common occurrence. We do see some spray paintings every once in a while. I know here at the cathedral in Sioux City, the oh, yeah. the uh, altar crucifix uh, was stolen ah, just recently yeah. during Holy Week, and then it showed up. Uh, the police found it in a shopping cart at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if there was, you know, some thieves who either realized, well, we're not going to be able to get this, you know, pawned off without <laughs> yeah, asking some like questions. Yeah, where this, you know, more or less ornate crucifix came from. Right. 
or maybe their the guilt just got to them, or I don't know, maybe the angels helped. I don't know, but it, we got it back at the yeah. cathedral. Um, but there's been much more uh, dramatic things with arson fires across churches in Europe, um, toppling you know major statues or beheading statues. That's another common one, whether they're stone, plaster, or wood. This is a major, major thing going on in the world. So how are we understanding this? Well, some might just be motivated by uh, by hatred or, right. or or political misunderstandings of what the church stands for, but I think we also have to understand that there could be a, a real, real concern here about spiritual warfare. Right. You know, uh, what evil spirits are prompting, suggesting, and motivating human beings to go do this? Mm. Where is this hatred coming from? Especially in in such a secularized world, right? You know, sometimes when people really want to attack the church and get really aggressive, you know, sometimes my response is, okay, well, if you're not practicing the faith, and if you don't don't really want anything to do with Christianity, well, what's it to you? Go yeah. live your life. Yeah. You know, I, why do you have to attack? I actually find that quite fascinating with people who've rejected Christianity and kind of find themselves in that. Oh, that kind of gray area of atheism, maybe agnosticism, as they might like profess, but especially those who are so um, aggressive when sort of attacking or trying to defend their state of life in this place of agnosticism. Mm-hmm. If the, it seems to me that I thought the same thing. If the, if you're truly atheistic and tr- or truly agnostic, believing that there's no possible way of knowing um, the truths of any of this stuff. And and if your if your true desire really is to kind of like totally abandon this faith, then it would seem quite easy to just say, well, then who cares, right? What you're doing, but there's so much aggression that follows it, which which is interesting because it shows that it pricks the conscience in some ways. Absolutely, um, I've just noticed that with certain questions that some are apathetic, but those especially who are so aggressive, it's like disqu- discussions and questions about just different aspects of the faith or Christian doctrine or the Catholic church, especially those who've left the Catholic church, it's almost their mission to always kind of like defend their, their uh, reasoning for leaving, Mm -hmm. Um, which just goes to, so something is still moving in their heart. Mm -hmm. If they're that agitated, when things come up about it. Absolutely. There is in the agitation. I mean, like for example, if you're on a low carb diet, well, you're probably not out like picketing or attacking or vandalizing bagel shops or yeah. bakeries. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. Like down with all cupcake shops because right. I'm on a low carb diet. Well, you or just even, don't. Even if you're convinced, because some as some are that goes to the next level that gluten really is like damaging to your like overall health. Even if you not like have celiac disease or something. Likewise, though, it's not like people are attacking bagel shops yeah let's go burn down every bakery because i'm against gluten no no one's doing this they just move on with their lives (laughs) you know what i'm saying but the fact that there is something pricking the conscience um that is making people aggressive in the presence of a priest or a consecrated religious in the presence of a sacred site there's something really bothering them so you can tell that there's an internal movement going on there and as, as difficult it is to see, um, and as expensive as it is to, uh, to see things desecrated, um, you know, statues that might be 100 years old, that might have, you know, uh, a priceless value, medieval, medieval uh, stained glass windows going back to like the 14th century that have been right. smashed out. Uh, this happened recently in the, the Kreuzkirche in, uh, in, I think it was Hanover, Germany, huh. 
a building that I think was dedicated in 1333 with medieval windows mm. had them smashed out. Mm. Well, what is what is pro- prompting that? Well, there's st- there must be something sparking, you know, whether it's demonic or some pe- some people just have their consciences really really bothered. And it's difficult to say this, but if we're being attacked, not only are we standing with our Lord, who uh, himself was obviously attacked, right, uh, horrifically. But we also must be doing something right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, if the presence of the evil one is showing up, and if people are getting offended that the truth is being proclaimed and that holiness is actually being expressed, right. something must be going right. Mm. You know, uh, Not only to just to stand with our Lord in the, in the passion of humiliation, um, but when Christians get too soft and when the message gets too watered down, um, not that we have to go out picking a fight every single day with our culture, but when, when we're trying to live authentically, if the world's bothered by that, mm. then something's actually going well mm-hmm. in the proclamation of the gospel and the lived expression of the truth. Right. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. I was actually just l- recently listening to a, an interview done by a priest who, who's, who's been involved with the ministry of exorcism and deliverance ministry. And likewise, he talks about in different moments of praying with people, when sacred things are introduced, that's what makes demons the, the most uncomfortable. Right. right. So it's like when holy water, an image of the Lord or the blessed Virgin is like present. That's when, ugh, like people, uh, that's when the evil one doesn't like that, which is, which is so true. And people who are in active ministry, I've heard this mostly from Catholic speakers who travel often, who are really like kind of on the front lines of like a, of, of a battle for the truth. Um, especially proclaiming kind of the truth of human sexuality, like to young people and things like that. They often find when they are having some of their best talks, they, they, they've had sometimes issues in their travel or, or struggles with health or family or things mm-hmm. like that. And it's interesting because different times they've said, uh, no, no, I should probably like, stop and not do this because I need to return home to help my family with this health issue or something. And they said, no, 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 do this. Like this is just a sign for us that we, ought to keep moving forward right um and it's you know is it is it always uh you know demonic activity or something perhaps perhaps not Mm -hmm. but uh it is it is true that yeah the evil one doesn't want us to be holy and doesn't want us to move closer to our lord right and it's interesting how those the things that are so often attacked are these kind of like pretty clear images of the faith um statues crucifixes churches um so it's like the more we have those <coughs> kind of dynamic and bold examples of the faith remaining, mm-hmm. I mean, praise God for that. Like, in some ways, it's it's a shame something like that was destroyed, but praise God it wasn't just torn down by a priest in the past just because he didn't want a statue there or something like that. Right. So I think there's there's lots to meditate on, not in a fearful way. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think, you know, Jesus calls us to a life of freedom, a life of joy, and, and we're just called to live holiness and let it radiate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think every single Christian church around the world is going to just suddenly be attacked tomorrow, even if there is a rise in spiritual warfare and if we're up against, you know, perhaps uh, stronger, you know, demonic influences than in the past. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but that isn't something to be feared. You know, the goal is always to just keep our eyes on the Lord, to live our faith uh expressively and in ways of beauty mm-hmm. uh, and let the faith sound for itself and let evangelization be deep and authentic 
uh, and knowing all along that you know our Lord walked a path of humility, and there's going to be there's going to be bumps in the road, there's going to be resistance, um, but that doesn't that doesn't change the faith. If anything, it should empower us to say, okay, um, if someone's bothered by this, let's let's dig into that. Why? Mm. What's going on here that is so offensive? And perhaps it's it's you know just being the faith itself and all of its beauty is shining forth, and evil doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems that if we're bothered by the reality of these, this kind of growing vandalism or something, which we, we, which we ought to be mm-hmm. bothered by that, mm-hmm. not to the point of despair, but we ought to be bothered because this is our, our mother, our home, the church, that's you know shown present, manifested in the world in these different buildings and these different pieces of sacred art that we have. If we're bothered by that, that ought to prompt us to even deeper holiness ourselves. Right. Not just to kind of complaining or our own aggression, but to deeper holiness of good. If if people are agitated by the faith, how much more ought I to live it fully? Right. Um, and, and to be holy. Right. And to, and to stay close to the Lord through the sacraments. Right. And lastly, you would hope, and this is more of a minor thing just than, than just everybody living the faith, you might also hope that there's going to be a... a a greater renaissance, if you will, of sacred art. Mm. Um, not only pointing to the value of all this sacred art, but also just the practicality of replacing the damaged <laughs> art. I mean, someone's right. going to have to replace all the statues. Someone's going to have to replace the stained glass. Mm. Uh, someone's going to have to perhaps, you know, make some new, you know, marble or wooden carved altars mm. that are that needed to be consecrated after after they've been desecrated or something. Uh, so the, there could be a little resurgence of that in the in the sacred arts as well. So let's keep uh, one another in prayer, especially for those areas that uh, around the world in which Christians are being persecuted. Uh, we're, we're quite blessed here in the Midwest of North America that perhaps this isn't a daily occurrence in our area and we don't live with some of the constant threats that Christians who are minorities in other parts of the world experience. But let's lift them up in prayer. Let's, lift, let's also lift up for those, those who have hearts full of hatred, mm-hmm. those who are being tempted uh, who's who's interceding for these folks? Those who are tempted to go desecrate churches or destroy cemeteries. Let's pray for these folks uh, and pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the whole world. Father Travis, always good to be with you. Yeah, good words, Father Shane. And uh, keep tuning in to Outcast Catholic for more riveting conversations. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.